Before we start, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we're grateful for this privilege to first and foremost be called your sons and daughters because of the, your work on the cross, because of your, the shedding of your, your, the blood of your son. We're grateful that we have atonement for our sins. But we're undeserving of your kindness and your goodness. And may you, through um, your word, guide us in this particular area, in this topic. Um, this topic, although it can be very um, difficult at times, we do ask that you give us wisdom so that we can be at peace with all men. Thank you for allowing us to study your word, and may we be doers of your words. In your son's precious name, amen. As mentioned earlier, this is a little, I guess we're in the middle of our little dating series, and when I was planning this series, um, one of the areas that I find that most conflicts come is actually not, sometimes they're you know, between the couple, others are uh, between the couple and maybe their friends, but I think of all the relationship that might be second to our relationship to the Lord, especially when you're um, you know, not married yet, it's really the ones with your parents. Um, our parents uh, are the people that brought us into the world. You know, God obviously chose our parents for us and they chose us for their life. And in a modern context, when we think about dating, the Bible is obviously absent or silent about this because the Bible doesn't have that concept. But what it does have is that it speaks highly of parents. Um, the Bible speaks uh, that you know, God is the father and he has a son. And then even the pictures uh, that is revealed in scripture of those fa- parents and child relationship, it's, it matters to the Lord. And when the con- in the context of the dating series, eventually, uh, you know, if you guys do have parents, you're, you're gonna have to talk with them about uh, dating. Um, Again, this might be a very awkward topic, and, um, and it can be very difficult at times. And I hope that as we kind of talk through this, just basic parameters and guidelines, that if there's ever a conflict with your parents, that you'll at least be equipped to be able to talk with them in a way that would honor them and, and pleasing to the Lord. Again, I understand that um, some of you uh, are probably not going to want to interact with your parents when you're talking about dating because it seems weird, like, oh, uh, can I just, you know, it's awkward. I don't want my dad or my mom to give me dating advice. Um, and I, I understand that because it could be uncomfortable because they might say some things that are very like cringy, you know, like, oh, do this or do that. And you might be like bothered by it. Uh, oh, mom, we don't do that anymore. Or dad, we don't do that anymore. Um, but occasionally, um, there might be situations where conflict arise. Some of you I know have, have two godly parents. Others of you may not even have parents altogether. Some of you might even have single family homes and others of you might have come from some sort of abusive background. Others of you might have great parents but they might not be believers and others, uh, parents that you, some of the parents that you guys have are very involved in your life and others are present but they're not that involved. So it's really impossible to answer every single situation. And my hope for this message tonight is to give us a survey on how we should view our parents first and then from there, talk about how does that relate to us in the context of dating or engagement or, you know, that that dating phase. We should know how to think through dating with our parents in mind because, you know, they say that uh, when people, when two people get married, it's not just the two people, but it's two families. And you want to have as best as possible the best relationship you have with your own parents. And understand when I say on, this topic is called on parenting. It's not speaking of your significant other's parents, but rather it's your own parents, the people that, that raised you, the people that has um, you know, uh, provided and protected you. This is a way in which, uh, this topic at least, is about how you can talk with your own parents. So it's not, you know, don't think like, oh, the potential in-laws and like the social etiquette kind of thing. Though I do think last week's message on, on etiquette, those things do apply if you do meet your poten- potential in-laws. So, I will, again, will, uh, first I'll give the structure and just a survey through the scriptures about what the, the, the child's role in terms of their, how they engage their parents. And then I'll, I'll go into some of the practical application in light of dating. And then at the end, I'll try to give some questions that I think that you, some of you guys might have in your mind as you're thinking about how to engage your parents in this topic. So I have you guys open Exodus 20. 
you guys are familiar with this text. This is God um, you know, in the, on Mount Sinai, and Moses is up there, and he has the, these tablets, and God has wrote, you know, wrote and gave him commandments on what the Israelites are supposed to do. And it, it begins by talking about how God is the one true God, and there's no other God. And then you'll see in verse 12, it said, Honor your father and your mother, and your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So this is interesting because this is actually the first commandment that gives a promise that if you honor your father and mother, that you will live longer. And I think there's a practical wisdom to that because I think generally speaking, all kids are dumb. They start out kind of you know, not knowing much and they might do things that might get themselves hurt and, and you know, injured and potentially death. And listening to the parents, honoring them, is what preserves your life. Um, Exodus 21, verse 15, it says, He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, don't think that this is like, you know, with a little three-year-old, like, punches you on the face and, okay, that kid's gonna, it's going down. You know, that's not what the text is. The, and those particular passages is really like a teenager that decides to attack their parents. And why is that so offensive? It's because there's the objective reality that, generally speaking, most parents love their kids. They raise them. They nourish them. They take care of them. So for them to strike them, or in verse 17, it's like he who curses his father, that's, that's not like it's just saying swear words. It's more like that, though, that it does convey that idea, but it's more like wishing them that they will die. Um, and... and and there's this punishment here, this very severe punishment. Whoever does that to his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus chapter 20. This again, the context here is that the Israelites are supposed to be a holy people. They're supposed to be distinct. And, that's, and the implication here is that the kids in the world were not like that. That they were uh, people that chose to be rebellious or that parents did not love their kids. That's the inference, the reason why God has put these verses here, so that they could be a contrast to the world. And like in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, if there's anyone who curses father and mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltness is upon him. Again, so this means that there's a, a severity to the, there's a responsibility for the parents to teach their kid God's law, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And there's also the responsibility of the child to submit to God's word. And uh, if they choose to sway from God's word, this isn't to say that like the kids of Israel were perfect, because Proverbs talks about how you need to discipline them, you need to train them up. It takes time to do stuff like that. And the Israelites uh, were given these instructions, both in terms of the parents and the kids, and they're supposed to honor the Lord uh, by honoring their parents. And then what's interesting, even in the book of Ruth, we see that there's this in-law relationship. You remember Ruth lost her uh, husband, and she stuck with uh, her mother-in-law, and the mother-in-law was giving her instructions, and she was actually listening to her. Uh, she told her, uh, Naomi told Ruth, like, you need to, if you want to get Boaz, you need to do this and do this, and this person's are, are related to us, or, or he's related to your 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 ex-husband, I guess, your husband, your husband passed away. Um, so she gives her instructions. And the, and the idea is that she was giving all of these instructions for her because she had Ruth's best interests in mind. She was thinking about Ruth. She knew that, okay, I cannot have another child raise him up and then you can marry this child. That's not going to happen. So it's better that I find someone that you can marry off. So again, the general idea here in the reads from the Exodus Leviticus is that the parents do have some responsibility for their kids. And oftentimes, these, um, these, the reason why they do it is because they love their kids. They know that, it, they, they know that their kids is a gift from the Lord, and they want to honor their, uh, the Lord by taking care of them. And the responsibility of the child is to trust, it, and trust the Lord by obeying and honoring their parents. And if you just look at Proverbs, this is a command that happens over and over again about how you do not forsake the father's teaching or do not leave your mother's, um, your, your mother's uh, teaching. You know, there, there's this, there is this uh, proverbial wisdom in that if you listen to your parents, life will go well for you. Now, I know that not all of you have godly parents. I know some of you might not even have believing parents altogether. 
But that doesn't mean that just because they are non-believers or ungodly, but are Christian or, or immature believers that are your parents, that that automatically means that everything that they say about you and your life and about your dating or anything must be thrown out the window because they're outdated. Sometimes they do have something to offer, but we are not humble enough to see it. Uh, in fact, in the New Testament, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees about how they don't care about uh, their own parents. Matthew chapter 15, verse 4 to 6, Jesus says, For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you, the Pharisees, say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have, I would, have, I would help you, uh, has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother, and by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So this is, there were these Jewish people, these Pharisees, that had parents that needed their help, but they said, okay, uh, well, not really necessarily the Pharisee, but they taught this tradition where if you were to choose between giving to the temple versus supporting your family, you need to do the best thing, which is give to the temple. And Jesus here rebukes that. He's saying, hey, that's not the loving thing to do. You, you teach about how you need to honor your father and mother, and he tells them that, but how you live your life is not that. You, and it's evident because you don't, you're not taking care of them. You know, the money that, that, that you could have used to support your family, you decide to give to the Pharisees. And Jesus calls them out. He calls them hypocrites. In verse 7, uh, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. People will honor me with, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. So there's a connection between honoring your parents and the way that you live your life. Both, of, uh, and, and I think the most common verses and, in, and from Paul's writings, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, where it tells us that children be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And we know the cross-reference here as well, Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the verse that I like wish my kids memorize. And I think all parents want their kids memorized right away. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Again, these two New Testament verses, or the two epistles verses, uh, there's, this, there's this idea, there's this instruction that the children must obey and honor their parents, because those things are good. But what is the difference between honoring and obeying? Because we, we hear that, right? We need to honor your parents, or you need to obey your parents. What is the difference between the two? It seems that if you look at the scripture, there are two definitions, and they kind of work together. The word honor here is to respect and hold them to high esteem. It's to respect them, it's to hold them in high esteem. In the Old Testament, it is, very, it is a very intensive Imperative. It means, if you were translating this, you must honor your parents. Uh, you honor your parents um, in the way that you talk about them. You give them your respect. Uh, and, because they, and the reason that you respect them, again, generally speaking, is because they take care of you. They raised you. They took the energy to, to care for you. They made sacrifices for you. And that's why you honor them. Again, I know all the situation in, your, in this group is different, and it may... It's seemingly impossible to answer every single one of your situations. But generally speaking, your parents do care for you. And it's the right thing to honor them, to think highly of them. In the New Testament, it's the same meaning. The Old Testament about honoring is about having reverence in the New Testament as well. And it's also an imperative. Meaning that for both the New and the Old Covenant believers, any child uh, that have parents must give them reverence, respect, and honor to them. So you view them highly. You're in your own hearts, you, you think highly of them. You respect them. You honor them in that way. Now, what's obedience? Now, obey here, both in the New and, New and Old Testament, has this idea of, um, it's like almost like a military kind of thing, that you listen, that, you, that when, when, the, when the soldier, when the commander gives a direction, you go. Uh, when God said, you need to obey me, that's the same word that's used here with the parents. Um, but there are contexts in which the children needs to obey their parents. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 20 talks about that. Children are commanded by God to obey their parents. In the New Testament, this word means to follow instructions. So it's like, okay, you need to do this, That's, and the kid is, the child is expected to obey them. You train them slowly to, to get to that point. And I trust that your parents have, in your life have trained you in different ways as well. Whether you realize it or not, they've taught you things in life. 
whether it's driving a car, like they tell you, okay, when you see that octagon sign that says stop, that means you need to press on the other pedal. No, the other pedal, not, the, not that one. And they scream and go crazy and all of that. You know, they taught you things, whether you realize it or not. They've, they've somehow uh, modeled uh, at least some level of work ethic because they're, they're providing for you. There are things in which they do um, that, is, that, that demands honor, and then even the things that they command you to do, which is a good thing usually, generally speaking, you're called to obey them. So what does this all have to do in the context of dating? As, as I said earlier, since dating leads to marriage, it would be wise at least to understand how you would engage your parents if you... If you, if or if your parents engages you on this topic, that you at least have to know that, okay, I need to honor them and I need to obey them. Uh, and there are some families where parents don't really care so much about what's going on in your life, and okay, then that's, that's I guess, easy to some extent. But there are instances where when you are uh, in a dating relationship where your parents might say something or give you advice that you may not want to hear. In fact, one of the things that premarital, in premarital counseling that we ask people is like, what do your parents think about your relationship? You know, what does your parents think? Do they, or do they know you're engaged? You know, <laughs> like those type of questions. And the reason why those are important is because your parents are always gonna be your, be your parents. They're gonna have this influence in your life and you want them in your life. That's a good thing to have. Romans 12 verse 18 tells us that if possible, be at peace with all men. We're called to be a people of peace. And yet sometimes, a lot of times, when it comes to uh, we're so in love, we're dating, uh, I love this person, that we become almost blinded by our foolishness and choose to neglect wise counsel that could be from our parents. Now, for some of you, your parents might want to know more about your dating life. They might give, whether they're, uh, you know, they, could, they, could, they may give unsolicited advice or you might ask them for advice. But the, the reality is that some of us, when we hear our parents tell us, okay, here's what you need to do about dating, or hey, have you ever thought of this? We see these things as criticisms, and, and you know, we take it too personally. We equate what our parents say as a sign of them saying that we don't know what we're doing with our life. And we get angry, upset, and then there's a conflict and bitterness and anger, and, angry, and anger towards them. In the context of dating, sometimes your parents are trying to warn you from something that you may not even see. It may, and it may not actually be about the other person. You know, they might tell you something that may seem to be about the person you're dating, but really they're actually revealing something about you. And they're trying to show you that they know your tendency, they know your habits, they know you more than the, your significant others, and they're trying to warn you of your shortcomings. Again, these are true from both believers and unbelievers. Believing parents want their kids, want what's best for their kid, and so does non-believers non as well. And sometimes they might see something in your life and they say, hey, have you ever considered these things? And part of honoring your parents in this area is to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right? We talk about honoring, that means you think best of them, think highly of them. And I know not all of your parents are perfect, and, that, and the passages in, that we see does not say that you honor them only if they're perfect because there would be none like that. And the only one that you would be honoring is a heavenly father, and so he's telling you to honor your earthly parents. So honor the Lord by honoring your parents. And yeah, just hear them out. You don't have to agree with everything, but you at least want to hear them out. Listen to what they have to say. Ask clarifying questions. You know, what do you mean when you think, what do you mean when you ask that question? You know, try to probe deeper into what they're thinking. Uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to understand where they're coming from. I think it's actually a sign of maturity that you are at least willing to listen even if you may not agree with them completely. And perhaps the way that you respond might change their mind about you and your dating relationship because they see how mature you've come. Because again, your parents see, they were there since you were born, they've seen every facet of you from the good and the bad. So they see things and it's hard for parents to overcome the fact that you're no longer their little baby anymore. Um, you're running into the, the you know, running around doing weird things. They, it's hard for parents to, to disconnect that side of you from the mature person or the adult that you are. So, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that what they're giving you advice or counsel is actually for your benefit. Don't be so defensive. That's one way you honor them. Assume the best of them by not being so defensive. It can be easy when your parents speak to you about your relationship that, the, that you think that, oh man, my relationship is under attack and people that attack me are my enemies, and you get into this defensive mode. But the problem with that thinking is that you assume that your parents want to do you harm, and that's how the enemies work, right? Enemies don't want what's best for you. Enemies want to hurt you. They only seek to cause you harm. 
And just think back at your life. Have your parents ever done something deliberately to hurt you? Now, I know some of you might have so can answer that by saying, yeah, that actually they did. And again, that's why I'm saying you need to be discerning. Sometimes they, they might have made a mistake in the past, but they've learned and they want to be a better parent, or they're trying to caution you from mistakes that they've made. So is there a pattern? And, and just think about what they're saying. Don't, don't get so attached necessarily to the person, uh, but think about what objectively what this person is trying to tell you. Now, if, this, if your parents has a pattern of caring for you and looking out for your best interests, it would be very, very strange that they were right in every area except for dating. Right? If you see the pattern of life, how much they care for you, oh, they were right about this area in my life, or they're right about all these other areas. But when it comes to dating, no, that's, that you can't talk about that. No, there's, there's something that they see that you should at least consider. That's why I advise you to not be so defensive and assume the best of them and ask more clarifying questions to try to understand. But a parent, even though they may seem negative towards you at times, again, they are, they are trying to look out for you. That doesn't mean that their counsel is perfect or that their advice is not short-sighted or even that the way that they communicate to you is not, you know, it could be unloving and unkind. But it does mean that in your own heart, when, they're, when you're having those tense and difficult conversations, that you first and foremost think the best of them. Right, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us to believe all things. That means that you hope the best from them, that you, that you assume that everything that they're trying to tell you is actually for your benefit because you love them and they love you. This means, this means that you must think that your parents are doing a favor by pointing something out that you might not even see. If you presume that your parents are threats and they're trying to cause you pain, then what's going to happen is that you're, you're, you're going to feel very suspicious towards them. And sometimes what they are saying is true, but, but because of our biases and our judgments, can, you know, because we're in love or whatever, it can cloud our judgment and we can be on the, the, the not, we go from defensive to offensive, so to attacking our parents. You need to be a humble, you need to have a humble demeanor when you're talking about this with your parents. And just try to understand and do your best to keep peace in your home. Sometimes your parents are, again, pointing out areas of shortcomings and immaturities and even sin in your life. But if they aren't pointing out any sort of explicit sin and they're just you know, giving you some sort of suggestion, just file that in your mind under wisdom. Understand that sometimes even non-believers can point out sin and they're not even thinking about sin. They might just point out something and you're like, hey, that's, that's actually in the Bible. Talk about that's, that's sin. Again, they can be right as well. So just be patient, listen to them. But a person who's proud and defensive will miss out on these life lessons because they are quote unquote in love. Now obviously if they're saying something that is sinful, then that's something you, may, you can just disregard. You can just still honor them in the way that you respond. You can just say, oh, thanks for that advice, but you don't need to go and attack them even if they're telling you to do something that is sinful. There is a way to disagree without having it to be contentious or heated. It involves a mindfulness in your tone that is saturated with humility. You don't have to agree with everything they have to say, but you should at least appreciate that at the, at the heart of what, what they're saying, even in their own weird way, um, they might be saying some weird things, that they do have your best interests in mind. So that's actually all introduction. Now, how do we go about if you have these very difficult conversations? So I have three points here. First, when they're giving you counsel or they're trying to have these very difficult talks about like giving you suggestions about your dating life, the first thing you want to do is just, just honor or evaluate their counsel. Honor or evaluate their counsel. Remember that as Christian, you are first and foremost to honor the Lord with your life, to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then the first commandment that comes with a promise with that is that you need to honor your parents. Whether they're believers or not, God expects you to honor your parents. Part of how you do that is considering um, is, 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 is you know, how you think about them or even how you talk about them before other people. There is a tendency when you know, we hear something from them and we go tell their, like our friends, like, oh, my parents are so weird or they gave me this dumb advice or they, and you talk negative, negatively about them before other people. That's not giving them the honor that they deserve. As you listen to your parents, even if they're unbelievers, you want to do your best to honor them. You, know, you need to evaluate whether or not this is a wisdom thing or it's just a warning that is, you know, that, that is actually a sin. When, when, you know, when Kelly and I were engaged, uh, my parents, their advice to me was that 
They're like, why are you getting married within a year? That's so soon. You guys should mar get married in six years or seven years or some crazy amount of time. And it was like, you know, that would be like right. I would not be married now. I'll be married in like two years from now if I follow that advice. You know, that's just a suggestion. And the reason why they said, oh, you don't have a full-time job yet. You don't have, um, you don't have, uh, you don't have a full-time job. Uh, you, you, need, you don't have a house. You don't have all of these things. Why don't you just wait and just work until you're secure? Now, I understood where they're coming from because what they're trying to get, I wasn't like, oh, I don't want you to be happy. Though that was, that, that, that came to my mind. It's like, why are you trying to stop me? You were trying to get me married all this time. Now you're saying, I'm, you know, you want to stop me? This is who, I'm getting mixed messages here. But at the heart, I was listening. Was like, okay, you're, what you're trying to get is that you want me to be secure and that my life wouldn't be so difficult. Like, yeah, that's what we mean. It's like, okay, I appreciate that, but we're going to figure it out. And that's okay. And they're fine with it. You know, they're fine with the fact that we did not, oh, I did not obey them in that way, but at least I was willing to hear them out and try to understand what they meant by what they were saying. And we want to be like that. And we want to have this um, attitude of like, okay, what is it that you're trying to understand? Because you want to honor them. You can, your parents always have your best interests in mind. Christian must evaluate whether or not this is a wisdom issue or just something that is actually unbiblical or like a sin, like an ethical issue. There needs to be grace in terms of taking their counsel. All parents will not meet biblical principle both in the way they communicate or, or, they, or how they think, but it is possible that, it's even possible that they can speak the truth without being, without love. But you need to ask yourself questions and try to evaluate what kind of counsel are they giving you? Are my parents giving counsel um, are they being presented in a peaceful way rather than a combative way? Are my parents open to new information about my relationship that may change their perspective, or are they close to any new insights? Um, as another question you might want to think when they're giving you advice is that, as best as I can tell, are these concerns aimed at our well-being and good? Because sometimes they are. Sometimes they're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't get married because and they're leaving legitimate concerns. They're like, okay, I see all of these areas in your life that you might just you be aware of and it's not, maybe not a good idea to get married and that's actually for, for, your, you know, for your own good. Another question you might ask yourself when they're giving you counsel is are my parents saying something that will make me more like Christ? Because even non-believers can sometimes say something that would cause you to be tested in your faith in a good way but are we so, we have such short-sightedness or are we myopic in our view that we think oh whatever they're saying must be wrong. You ask yourself these type of questions and they even ask them probing questions to try to understand what is going, what, you know, what they're thinking. So that's in terms of just evaluating or honoring their counsel. Next, responding to their counsel. How do you respond to the counsel? Well, Proverbs 15 verse 1 tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. And you might have these very heated conversations with your parents. They might say something, they might misunderstand something, and you might get super defensive and they might be heated because they see, oh, you're, you're not getting what they're trying to say. But the wise thing to do is not to fight back in the way that, you know, don't fight fire with fire. Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah, that's often the case, right, where our, um, our, our sinful flesh suddenly gets a better hold of us and we start saying things that we don't mean and we cause rift that in, in, our, in the relationship with our parents, which doesn't, which doesn't have to be. Because if you, as long as you're willing to just understand the biblical principles, speaking truth and love and being patient and kind with your words, even if they're not doing those things, uh, you, should, uh, you should consider doing those things because that's what God expects of you. James chapter 1, verse 20, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. <clears throat> and we understand that this is, you know, James is telling the people here that they need to just control their anger. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse um, 9. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosoms of fools. Again, when, when, when your parents, maybe they might be, you know, this is a very emotional topic to you. you it, it feels like they're attacking you or your significant other, and you might be angry about it. And then some things are justifiable, but that doesn't mean that you need to respond in a way that is un-Christ-like, right? Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love. So even if, even if you don't agree with everything that they're saying or their counsel or advice or whatever it may be, 
you still need to speak the truth in love. That's how you respond to the counsel. And those areas that can be tense for you and your parents, understand that God has given you the words to guide you in how you are to respond. Before you begin to get to this point, you should pray that God will work in your heart, that however, you know, whenever that, if that opportunity comes, that you will represent him faithfully, especially even if they're, especially if they're non-Christians. If they're non-Christians, this is your way to try to win them. Because then you can show them, like, hey, the, the, maybe other people will respond a certain way, or they might expect you to respond a certain way, but you know how to respond in a way that is different from the world. Even if their concerns are not always easy to hear or even understand, they are most likely, again, doing this out of a heart and sincere concern for you. Now, I know some of you are Asian, have Asian parents, and look, Asian parents have a very hard time communicating. Like, they just not because their English is terrible, but it's just they're, they're from a different culture, they're from a different time, they don't know or know how to communicate, you know, they just kind of just give commands, like there are no questions, you need to just, you know, they just give, they just tell you things. And you just have to understand that there are gonna be cultural things that they don't understand, just be patient, just try to honor them, because, you know, they're this thing that they're just they're not used to. You know, I'm sure they, your parents never talked to your grandparents about their dating relationships. They're just kind of, everyone just doesn't say anything or they just get angry or whatever. But as Christians, we should be able to speak the truth in love. So that's uh, in terms of responding to their counsel. Now, there are questions that I think, or there are things in, in which we need to learn in terms of listening. Right? I mean, like the three points I said, like listening to their counsel, uh, uh, honoring or evaluating their counsel and then responding to the counsel. That's all in terms of counsel, but there are still questions in mind in terms of, you know, how do we handle some of the, because uh, I, I know some of you are thinking about some of these questions, so I'm going to ask them for you. So I have three questions that are probably the most, that came to my mind that I know that a lot of other people are struggling with this. So here's question number one. What if I don't have parents that can help me think through this? This is where I would say, for some of you, yeah, again, I understand some of you have gone through your parents may you have maybe like very dark past or your parents are not there the absence or maybe they're there but they're not interested in your life and you want counsel from someone older and I get that I understand that this is uh, it can be hard um, for you and this is where I would uh, that you would want to consider finding spiritual mentors in your life now that are older than you that you could be that you can be transparent to and even for them to get to know you um, one of the best counsel I've got when I was, that I've heard, and I'm relaying this to you guys, is that in your singleness, it's the best time to build close relationships with people that are older than you. Um, you know, we have Bill and Kathy here, we have other people in our church that have gone through and seen things, and if you, if you know right now that you don't have that type of spiritual mentor or parents that can help guide you to think through these things, this is the perfect time when, you, you know, when you're not dating to, have to build that relationship up with someone so that when you guys are dating that they can give, they can know you enough to give you some uh, wise counsel and, and can, you know, to, can even pour into your life. And I have friends that you did not have, did not grow in a uh, you know, Christian home and didn't even have parents and they have to rely on some of the elderly saints in the church to guide them, you know, even vetting them. They had to, you know, there was, it was like this one individual the, he wanted, you know, he did, the guy did not know who to ask to propose, and she said, "You need to talk to my spiritual dad or my spiritual mom." You know, they they, they kind of directed to them because that individual didn't have parents that were was present in their life. You you want to kind of develop those relationships now in the context of the church, um, outside of the family. The church is really the best place where you can build those relationships that can help you think through and even care for you, and then they can help make you think about certain things that you might not be thinking about which, you know, parents are supposed to help you guide, but if you don't have those, then just at least consider thinking about those in the church. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that older women teach younger women, so, you know, if you're a lady, find an older lady in your life, preferably not your own life stage. Find someone that's, you know, older, married with kids or, or grandparents already, you know, people that have gone before you, and ask them to disciple you so that you can, you know, have some sort of grid on what a godly husband should look like or what I need to think about in terms of how to pursue someone. And men, same thing, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, remember those elders that led you, remember those people in your life that you can go to about this particular area and ask them to pour into your life. 
we should be willing to have a, an air of transparency. You know, just, just ask them, hey, can you, can you be that mentor for me? Because and you can share about your own personal relationship and your past, and you might need that. And that's good. That's what you want. If you don't have parents um, that can help you walk through this, and find older saints that can. Second question is this, and this is a question I, I think I have to wrestle with in my own heart and because people have asked me this question. When do I stop obeying or submitting to my parents? Because remember I said earlier about like honor, submit. Like there's these two parallel things. But at some point, now all the, and you'll, you'll notice that all the references I made are like children. Children obey your parents, children obey your parents. But you're like, I'm not a child, I'm 18, I'm an adult. Um, and you know, in the New Testament time and in the Jewish culture, it's by a certain age, which is you know, 14. That's when you're considered an adult. So by Jewish standard, all of you guys are adults. There are no high schools. Everyone will just go from like middle school, then all of a sudden everyone's adult. Um, in the New Testament, remember in Jesus, in, in John chapter 9, Jesus heals that blind man. And the Pharisee was asking the blind man, who healed you? And he's like, oh, uh, this man named Jesus. He's like, who healed you? And it's like, Jesus. And it's, and it's like, who healed you? And it's like, oh, do you want to know this guy? Like, like I, can I, mean, I don't know what he looks like. You know, they're asking a blind man to direct to him who healed him. You know, Pharisees weren't thinking through this. But they got the parents involved and said, hey, is this your child? And they're like, the parents are like totally threw him under the bus. Like, he looks like my child. <laughs> and, then, and then they asked him, like, did, like, was he born blind? It's like, yeah, but he's of age. Ask him. And that's in John chapter 9, verse 23. The reason why they say he's of age is the idea that he's an older person, and whatever he said, he's held responsible for it. Because the parents, they, threw, they totally threw their son under the bus. They did not want to be exiled from the temple. And they're saying, like, he is responsible for what he's about to say. So, you know, talk to him about it. Don't ask us. He should know. He is of age. Now, again, I understand the complexities of this issue because there is a culture gap between what the Bible teaches and how we define adulthood in our modern day. So I, I know there's, like, there's different views on this. Different theologians disagree. One one, there's, you know, there's a camp of people that say that you are an adult when you hit 18. And some people say, no, you're only adult when you are married. And some people say, no, you're adult when you hit puberty. So there's like different theologians that hold to different views. Here's where I stand. And again, this is me speaking. So this is, imagine I'm standing over here. This is my view. I will say this, if you're, whatever your conscience tells you, you just need to be consistent in it. So if you call yourself an adult at 18, then you need to be consistent in that way. You need to start acting like an adult. Don't be the, the, the person that try to act like a, or the claims that, oh, I'm an adult, they want the freedoms of adulthood, but yet act like a child. That's called adolescence. That's how the world defines it. And adolescence is not in the Bible. The, the Bible tells us that we need to, like, you know, for men, you need to act like men. You put, off, put away childish things. And I know, I understand the complexity because there are different cultures and backgrounds. Even the, theologians just differ. But I'm just saying that whatever view you hold, whether you think, okay, 18 means that I'm an adult, or when I'm married, that's when I'm an adult, or when I'm 14, whatever it may be, you just need to be consistent. Don't be the wishy-washy kind of guy that's like, oh, I'm only going to be an adult when, when I don't want to sleep at, uh, at like 10 o'clock. My parents tell me to sleep at 10. I don't want to sleep. At, I'm an adult. I'll do whatever I want. Or like you live at your, with your parents at home, and you, know, they're, you claim to be adult, but they're paying for everything in your life, and then you don't want to have any... You don't have them to have any influence in your life, even though they're paying for everything in your life. That's not what adult does. An adult means that they're actually responsible for their life. And again, you have to figure this out on your own, what defines an adult. I, I, I was wrestling my mind how to come, how to, like, which view to land. But I'll say this, that if your conscience tells you that, okay, as an 18-year-old, I'm going to act like an adult, I'm going to be an adult, then be consistent in every area of your life. So discern first and foremost what the scripture has to say and then, and then second how do you consistently apply it into your life because inconsistency shows a lack of maturity there are those that love the flexibilities and freedoms of an adult but they lo also love the comfort and security of a child and that is not a sign of a mature person a mature person an adult and I hate that word adulting because the implication is like oh now I'm going to decide to be an adult now it's like no that's weird, like you're 35, why are you now deciding to be an adult? Um, it's because they haven't, they just never thought about these things. And I hope that for you, this group, 
that you all aspire to be an adult. That, you, that as you aspire to be an adult, that means that you will actually have to take more responsibilities. And the commands in terms of obeying is only applied to a child. So if you are an adult, you do have less and less, your parents have less and less of the control in your life, but you still honor them regardless. You still respect what they have to say. You still um, cherish them. Now, I do understand there are unique circumstances. Some of you are living at home because you're taking your parents. That's fine. That's an adult thing to do. You're, you're, you have to take care of your parents. Some of you um, might have other legitimate reasons, and that's okay. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. But I'm just saying that if you want to be independent from your parents, then you need to start doing things that makes that shows you that that shows them that that you are independent, that you are actually an adult. Again, I shared that my in my experience with with you know with Kelly, uh, we uh, I do, I didn't have a full time job when I first got when we were first engaged. I actually didn't have a full time job until I got here. Until I came here, so we were already married. I was, I was a part timer. I struggled with this because like, does that mean that I can't get married? And one of my elders was like brother, you have a sugar mama, you should be praising the Lord that she has, you know, she's full-time working and she's taking care of you in that side. And he reminded me that leadership has nothing to do with how much money you make. That it's not, you know, it, that's not actually what, uh, what makes a leader. And then, you know, that was some of the things I had to wrestle through. And then when my parents were saying their thing, I was like, okay, yeah, here's why I want to uh, still pursue marriage. And you know, they, I, I mapped out what we were thinking. I'm st I was still in seminaries looking for school. I was assuring Kelly that I was going to work really hard, even if I don't get a pastoral job. I'll do whatever it takes to take care of the family. But then, so they see that, like, you know, the, that pattern. And that's what you need. You need that consistency. They see certain consistency, and they will treat you in such a way that is, okay, yeah, that's what adults supposed to be. An adult is someone that takes responsibility and ownership of their life. Now, am I saying you can't get help from them? No, but generally in your life, if you want, if you, if you're, you know, not a child, uh, if you want to get to that point where you're an adult, then you have to have less. You have to have more independence, and that means that you have to actually act like an adult. You have to pay for your own stuff. You need to start acting and living like an adult. Again, all parents want their kids to succeed in life. If you can't prove to them that you can't do it on your own, that you're able, that you're not. Then, you, then you're not bound to obey them because they're no longer under, you're no longer under their jurisdiction because you're an adult now. Again, I understand that this is this is requires you to be wise and discerning and and where you are at in your life. Some of you are just you know, new college students and you know you still have to you know because you're living at home, your uh, your parents are paying for everything. Then yeah, this is I think wise for you to submit to everything that they have to say and obey them, but you still have to honor them. But if some of you are already like you know, independent, you're on your own, you do, you're living on your, you're, living, you're not living at home, you're paying for everything else, okay, yeah, you have, the, you're an adult. So those the commands in terms of scripture where it says, child, obey your parents, I don't think that applies, um, because you're an adult now. The point is this, that you have to be consistent in your life so that your parents can take you seriously. Last year when I was, you know, during the pandemic, I had a, a pastor friend that called me to, to ask me to counsel his son, that was older than me, about this issue. He was struggling with like, hey, uh, I don't, how do I, I don't want to submit to my parents. Like, well, wait, how old are you? It's like, I'm 30 something. And then he's like, are you living at home? It's like, yeah. Like, are they paying for everything? Yeah. So what's the problem here? Why, aren't, why, is it, why, why can't you obey them? It's like, oh, because they're just making life so much harder for me. It's just an inconvenience for me to, you know, they're telling me that you do this, this, and this. And it's like, well, these are actually not sinful things. So why aren't you doing them? And I, I told him, look, if you don't want to be treated like a child, then stop acting like a child. Take ownership of your life. You know, work hard, find another job, or downsize or something. And then when I told him, yeah, maybe you need to move out and just downsize and live in a studio. He's like, I can't do that. I was like, why not? It's because I have all my tech. Like, he had all these different technology. He doesn't want to bring them all with him. And it would be very hard for him to live by himself. And I was like, okay, well then, you're acting like a child. Now, of course they're going to say, they're, of course they're going to treat you like one of your, you know, in your late 30s and you're complaining about all of these little things. Like, you should submit to them. You should be thankful for them. And, you know, these, and he had non-believing parents like, okay, that's even worse because then they think that your faith is not even legitimate. And this is a guy that didn't want to work. He didn't want to do all these things. He was basically a slugger. The proverb described as a fool. And yet he wanted to be, he wanted to have all the, the blessings and the good, the, all the, I guess, the rewards of being an adult without actually having to be an adult. 
And that's what I don't want for, for you. You know, I want you guys to grow up to mature. And again, I know you guys are different stages of your life, but I hope that at some point in your life that you do grow out of being a child, that you do put away those childish things and act like an adult, take responsibility, live life to the fullest for the glory of God. So that was the second question. I know that took a little while, but here's the last question that I think I do want to spend a little bit more time on. This is, what if my parents ask me to not date or marry someone because of some sort of sinful issue? Meaning, they're actually commanding you that's something that is different from the Bible. So I think the common thing is like, well, what if my parents don't want me to date someone that's not in the faith? They say, oh, this, this godly, or not God, this, this guy is handsome and rich, you should marry them. Or, this girl's pretty uh, and cute and all of that, you should marry her, but they're not believers. You know, do I need to obey them in that area? Well, I would say no, because the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7, tells that you need to marry someone that's in the faith. Or, what, or I think the other one that comes up a lot is, what about those parents that don't want you to date someone because of a particular ethnicity? I think that that's a sin. You know, to say that, like, you don't want to marry someone because of their ethnicity, I think the Bible permits that. The Bible permits that, you know, really, the only, the only mandate in Scripture is that this person that you marry, they just can't be married, so you can't steal someone else's wife or husband. Uh, they have to be a believer, and they have to be the opposite gender. Those are the, really the only three criterias in Scripture. Um, and if they say, like, oh, you can't marry them for ethnicity, then... You, I think that's, you have biblical grounds to say no to that. Now, I know this is gonna be difficult because I've seen this too. I had a friend who, you know, they were, we all were in the same church, the mom was even in the same church, but she was a different race and he, you know, they were different, uh, different ethnicities. And um, yeah, the mom was like, you cannot date this person because they're from this, and you know, this is, we're in a grace church, right? This is like the, you know, the, the you know, reformed capital of the world kind of thing but there are people even then that struggled with this and they're like saying hey you cannot you can't as my child you need to obey me you cannot you know you have to, you can't marry this person and you know i think that even the other elders that were coming alongside them say hey this is not biblical you can't say stuff like this you can't do things like that and it's like no but this is my child they need to obey me it's like no that's a sin and then they permitted this couple to get married and the result of that though is that they fractured, like the family was divided, and I think that's just a reality. If you know that your parents are saying something or commanding you something that is sinful, then you don't do it. Like that, some people, against our different views, some people might feel like, okay, I can't let my family go. And I'm not saying like break them off, I'm saying do your best to maintain the relationship, but just understand that it just might be one way. Like you might be wanting to maintain that fellowship or that that family relationship with your parents, but they may not want that back because of the person you marry. But you still have to love them. You know, you need to forgive them. You need to be willing to reach out and extend the olive branch and do your best you can to be as Christ-like as possible. And again, at the same time, you have to understand that if you make that decision, there are gonna be consequences that might impact you down the line. You, know, you might not have your parents in your life because of this. But again, I would suggest here that you are called to peace, so you try your best to love on them. Um, you, do you remember Carl Hargrove, the, the men's conference speaker? He went through the same thing, and his mother-in-law was not happy because his wife is Korean, and he just kept loving on her. He just kept like, caring for her, driving over to like care for the best that he can. Eventually, she warmed up to him. Now they're all cool with each other. That's it, you just might have to take a lot more effort to try and mend that relationship. But as Christians, you have, you're willing to do those things because again, we're called at Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if possible, be at peace with all men. You need to be willing to take those extra initiatives to help mend that because, again, if they're non-believers, this is just a way that, like, you know, Christ redeemed us when we were still his enemy. So therefore, we should be as loving as possible to those that are opposed to us in our relationships. Again, you can't control the outcome of the situation, but you can always be faithful to the Lord as possible and trust that the Lord it will handle your future. All you have to do is be faithful to the Lord. Love, uh, you know, love on your, if your parents are, you know, if they're racist, love on them as best as you can. The world will say cancel them, and that's just the way the world works. They don't care about these things. But the, the, the Christians should always strive to do their best to be known by their love. 
That's what Christ said. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So do your best to love them, even though they may not, they may be commanding you something that is sinful, but you can still be willing to love on them and just trust that the Lord will work things out as you're faithful to him. So now I understand, again, this parenting, like dealing with your own parents can be a very uh, tricky issue, but again, I, I hope that at least these verses and um, principles at least give you some guidelines. So if you have these very tense conversations with your parents, um, that, you will, that you could, you're still able to do in a way that is pleasing, first and foremost, honoring to the Lord and pleasing to him, and, at least, and then secondly, at least show love and respect and honor to your parents, even if you don't agree with them, but at least be willing uh, to do what the Bible tells us to do so that you can faithfully represent God before them, whether, they are, whether your parents are believers or not. And I trust again that if you are faithful to the Lord, the Lord will bless you in those ways. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are, we're mindful that the world is a fallen place and with different circumstances and situation that forces us to uh, humbly plead with you for wisdom. And we know that there are, this topic is a very vast topic and can go for multiple messages. And I do pray, Lord, that um, for the different people that are here that might be struggling in terms of how to honor their parents in the light of dating and everything else, um, that you would give them a measure, extra measure of grace to, to know how to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, I do hope that as a church that we can continue to come alongside each other in this area, in this particular field and just be able to encourage us to strive to be more Christ-like. And Lord, if we have any um, tension and conflict with our parents, may we be a people that always um, seek out um, uh, and extend an olive branch of love because that's how you are. You always initiate in love and you always um, uh, take the first step in terms of reconciling the relationship. And we hope that in doing so that they can see a picture of Christ's level of forgiveness and kindness towards us, Lord. Lord, may we be faithful in all areas, and may you receive all the glory. In your son's precious name, amen.